Welcome on in, everybody. Bleeding Claret and Cobalt. Today's episode features Real Salt Lake Director of Community Affairs, Mary Van Mindy. She's the executive director also of the RSL Foundation. Mary is somebody you may have seen some of her tweets on uh, social media, etc., with various events uh, in and around the Valley. But in her five, now going on six years with the club, she's spearheaded a lot of initiatives that I think are really cool from a fan standpoint. We try to go behind the scenes and dissect her interaction with players and the initiatives that they care about in and around our community. We talk a lot about how COVID kind of had to put certain things on hold and just kind of change the dynamic of how the club interacts with uh, various initiatives. I keep using that word initiatives, but it seems like everything is new trying to affect change around the community. But uh, we start off talking about the license plates. We go into the solar panels on the Navajo Reservation in southern Utah, Four Corners area that, that I think we've all applauded Kyle Beckerman for his work on. Um, we get into the futsal courts that have been popping up all around the valley in, in terms of kind of working with the U.S. Soccer Foundation uh, to give kids in our community a place to play the game. And um, a really interesting conversation. We talk a lot about the dynamic that the Royals athletes brought to the public service uh, aspect of, of this club, the academy kids now uh, getting involved in, in providing inspiration, aspiration, and representation for people all over the community. But um, every day I feel like I'm learning more and more ab- about what happens as an extension of the club in our backyard and in our community, Ryan. And um, Mary goes a million miles an hour, and sometimes I think that that can be uh, that can be frustrating, but her energy is boundless, and, and the things that she has helped affect along with her team, um, Kyle and Laura, who we talk about a little bit, and really, uh, really kind of being uh, connective tissue for the club to government entities to schools, et cetera, et cetera. I think, um, unfortunately, maybe it took COVID to appreciate some of those efforts, but it's been um, it's been a, a wild ride for Mary, and and there's a lot of I think exciting things coming down um, in 2021 as the, as the world opens up, and maybe we can get back to a little bit of normalcy. Uh, talking about how the locker rooms for the various teams in our club want to connect to uh, people young and old across the Salt Lake Valley and across the state of Utah. I think uh, as fans, we're always looking for that that personal connection to these players and seeing them as humans. And, you know, um, what the foundation, what Mary's able to do is she's able to connect, you know, these players who besides, you know, the don't, you know, they have a job. They're doing these things all the time. They don't necessarily know what's available for them to do for their outreach. How do you, you know, if you're a 22-year-old kid playing soccer in a city you didn't grow up in, how do you know where the places are to reach out to be helpful and to, you know, yeah. to like um, to connect with the community? And, and Mary and the foundation, that's that's their job is to connect the community to the club. And uh, if you've ever been to one of those events, you feel it. You feel yeah. it a lot. I mean, you've um, and you'll see, you'll start to see, like, if you're paying attention, the the players that are really connected to that. And I think that that's that's something that's uh, that's important. When you see a player that is, you know, they don't have to go to foundation events. They 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 do it on, they do it because they want to. And yeah. when you see them out there, and you see things like what Kyle's been doing, and you're out there, and you see the, you know, the his name on, you know, different futsal courts, mm-hmm. or if you see Justin Glad at a elementary yeah. school. I mean, that's that's not fake. That's not a, that's not a staged thing. That's these players trying to connect. And this is one of the the ways that, that, you know, the foundation is a big part of this club. It's, you know, the million of the million things that are orbiting around the, the players on the field. You know, this is a big one that, that I think that, uh, as fans, I think we're connected to more than we may realize. And the fact that we feel connected to this team is because of the foundation. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, Mary actually shares some great insights on things I did not know about the dynamics of, selling the Royals, um, some things that uh, Deloitte has done to earmark money for the future of the of the community aspect and also for uh, leaving some money on the table for, for the Royals or the NWSL option 
to still be in play for whoever the next owner of this club is. So great stuff here. Coming up after the break, RSL Community Executive Director Mary Van Mindy. Bleeding Claret and Cobalt, excited to welcome in today Mary Van Mindy. Mary oversees all the community relations initiatives for the entire Real Salt Lake Pyramid. So from the senior team to the Monarchs, a lot of experience with the Royals, obviously, to working with the Academy kids on different initiatives. And Mary, thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today. Thanks for having me, Trey. It's great to be here. Um, I don't really know where to start. We can start a million different ways, but sure. you and I started working together when you arrived at the club in 2015, I believe, with the Monarchs. Correct. And I, you will forever be a hero in my eyes because one of the things that we always wanted for Real Salt Lake was to see that beautiful shield badge of ours on license plates. And you, that was one, I think the first thing you got done in your time with the club and like it's just awesome i still get a huge buzz when i'm driving down the road and i see uh those personalized license plates uh, for rsl yeah i think it's i never will forget i think a month after they went on sale i think i was driving through the mojave desert and there's one car <laughs> one car and it had an rsl plate and that person is probably still to this day wondering what that crazy lady smiling and waving at them was but yeah that was that was an important piece. I think, um, you know, I had, I had worked in education. I had done a lot of uh, kind of community things in the Salt Lake City School District around soccer. Um, and when I jumped over to RSL, I think that license plate was key because we, at that point, we wouldn't have to do a big event, a big fundraising event every year. And it's very hard when you're starting a foundation or a department to raise dollars for something you haven't built yet. And I, so I think that license plate was key to have those ongoing dollars. Yeah. And then you could build things such as futsal courts or, you know, different pieces in the community. So that was a, a great, um, that was a great event, uh, Big shout out to Senator Escamilla and yeah. Representative Wilson because uh, Senator Escamilla wrote the bill. Um, uh, Brad Wilson, Speaker Wilson, um, sponsored it in the House, and it was it was quite a journey. I'll never forget. <laughs> you know, the odds were kind of against us because we didn't have the big things that we were raising the dollars for. Okay. I knew we wanted to go into uh, and that's referees. One of the government like stipulations. Yeah, it's tax commission okay. money. Yeah. So we really had to have all of our ducks in the row. We had to have a five hundred one c three, a foundation yeah. account, and you know we we were able to get through the House hearings and the Senate hearings, and we had one final hearing, and I had some fans with me, and uh, the. At the very end of the hearing, the last hurdle, a gentleman got up and he was ready to speak. And he was the head of the tax commission. And he gets up there and he says, well, um, we can do this because we have RSL fans that have been asking for this for years. <laughs> yeah. But, and I was ready for, but what are the dollars? I was ready for all of that. And he turns around and looks at me and all the fans and he says, more shots on goal, RSL. <laughs> and it was kind of a mic drop moment. Everyone's a critic. Yeah. Was this 2016 when you got those done? I believe so. Yeah. 2016. And then, you know, as we were designing, because you can put whatever you want on the plate. You can see, you know, other people have different iterations. Yeah. And for me, that shield is so iconic. Yep. But then we had four inches on the bottom to put something. And a lot of, uh, I think the, idea the stadium was was let's just put real salt lake and i fought to put believe good i think the right decision yeah i think um evoking that and you know someone who has been so key brandon steinekert in the foundation yeah. he has always been so positive you know i can call him or text him and he is just an incredible human and so um i knew him a little bit then 
Um, we put the Believe on the plate. We had it launched the same day he had launched the Believe chance. I believe it was mid-February. Okay. And I'll never forget calling him, and I had the very first plate off. And he was so gracious. I went down to his house in Orem, knocked on the door, and gave him the first plate. No way. And he, That's a cool story. He's just been that amazing, backup, wonderful person. Yeah. And, you know, the plates over the years... Um, I think we brought in about $100,000 from those plates. Mm. And thank you for all those fans, players, staff, everybody out there that have those plates because that's just recurring revenue for us that we don't have to worry about going out and actively fundraising for. So, Well, I just got back to Utah four months ago from Texas, and I've, I'm trying to get my old uh, T-R-E-A-L, Treal, uh, nice. personalized plates back on. So hopefully the DMV and the tax commission, I don't imagine that somebody else has gotten those, but they've been off my car for a little over a year. So hopefully I can reclaim those. Right. I've seen one that said H8K, I think yep. it was Hate Kansas. So there's some yep. very clever, I've seen lots of the riots. I've seen Keeper 18. I've seen, there's some really uh, fun ones out there. Yeah, it's it's so exciting. Now, one of the coolest you just referenced kind of the annual fundraising that comes from that, emanates from that. One of the greatest projects that I think is also ongoing from your from your foundation work, your your community work, is taking these dilapidated tennis courts all over the valley and turning them into futsal courts. And I've I've been to a few of the dedications with you over the years and seen the look on you know the kids' faces or the community's faces and when they're able to kind of cut the ribbon and have a little kickabout with Kyle Beckerman or whoever um, on these just things that used to be eyesores that are now RSL colors and have a function in in terms of bringing that community or that school uh, together and giving a neighborhood a place to uh, congregate. Yeah, I think, you know, when we started this project, um, we were doing some overlayments over the courts. Uh -huh. And as we've learned, we now completely take everything out and start over so we're not doing the overlay okay we have found that lights it's such it's such a great asset to have those yeah. lights um but you know it comes down to and really kyle beckerman talked me into going this direction and the league is doing this direction okay. u.s soccer foundation um but when you're getting 12 times more touches on the ball um i when we open these courts i have messi's eight-year-old futsal playing card that I hand out to the kids. Oh, cool. And it's cool. It has Lionel Messi. It has his yeah. eight-year-old writing on it. But it really comes down to passion and a ball. Mm. And, you know, when we, were, uh, when we were bringing up Harriman and building all of that, there was a joke between Weibel and I that I think we could get your next player off these courts as well. Sure. So it's been exciting. We did the homegrown courts last year. Yeah. And what a great tribute. Well, where did that idea come from to to have a sign at every one of these courts that says Jordan Allen or Justin Glad or right. all the homegrown kids that, that have come through the academy? I think um, the courts all have their own flavor. Okay. The one in Rose Park was driven by Kyle Beckerman mm -hmm. at the Northwest Rec Center. So yeah. that's the KB5 courts. Yeah. The one in Orem um, is between two elementary schools. So many kids. And looking at these young kids when we went out there, we thought, let's give a nod to the homegrown uh, players that we have. And in fact, I joke with uh, Elliot and Zarcos that I have to change that sign so often. <laughs> in fact, right. one that wasn't accurate, I had uh, uh, Brody and Glad in my office. I'm like, here, take this one because it's not up to date anymore. Yeah. So I think they have it in their garage. But <laughs> it'll be exciting going forward, you know. Uh, we have this space in Sugar House for Ramondo's Court at the Boys and Girls Club. Oh, wow. And that's been an exciting project. I would say that might be my COVID casualty is having to kind of sit by the wayside. But we have plans to have an Olympic court um, honoring all of our players that have been in the oh, Olympics. Cool. And that will be hopefully out in Kearns at the Olympic Legacy Park. Oh, nice. Out that yeah, direction. Yeah, that would be awesome. And then we have um, plans for the Centerville Community Court. So, you know, we're in a little bit of a holding pattern. Um, deciding what the new owner and what direction they want to go right. in. Um, but yeah, the futsal courts, just knowing kids have that safe place to play um, yep. has been kind of a great piece. 
that we can give back to the community. Um, Mary, you're one of the busiest people that I know. And <laughs> I, I have know, a great team. I, I have know, a great well, team. there's so many people around the club, in the club, that are constantly in motion. And, um, but, I mean, trying to keep up with everything that you've got going on, whether it's the ongoing things that we've talked about, um, league initiatives, because it seems like every month there's there's a kick you know, cancer, greener goals greener, or kick cancer. Exactly. You know, some of these league things that, that we participate in. Um, is there is there a particular initiative or project that, that you are proudest of? Because um, while during the time that I was kind of away from Salt Lake in Utah in the club, you know, I would see on social media, like, you know, you and Kyle and Milo going down to the Navajo reservation and doing all these things with the solar panels to get them energy. Right. And, right. Um, it just seems like it's so impactful. You know, when Kyle came to me and said, look, Mayor, I want to, I want to put light down there. You know, he's a, he's a product of his parents are both teachers. Mm -hmm. And the idea of these kids, uh, not having light to do homework. Um, and he is such a passionate wow. reader. Um, so, you know, we went, I went down there just kind of on an exploratory trip. Who's already doing it? Where can we fit in? And, uh, interesting story. I took, uh, two partners, uh, Pam Giuliano and Jill Heath from Heart of America. And we, we just did, we went and talked to schools. We went and talked to healthcare workers. And after we were ready to go home and I had this gentleman approach me in a stairwell and he said, you have to find Navajo Milo. Um, we had just spoken to this group at the healthcare center, yeah. and and he said this is a perfect fit. So I went home and I googled Navajo Milo. His name is Milo Fowler. He is a a pretty famous AP World photographer. He grew up on the reservation. Um, he uh, speaks Navajo and is just an incredible human. So I reached out to Milo. He was in Budapest. Um, he texted me right back. And he said, I would love to have you join. Let, let's make a project here. It turns out he and Kyle Beckerman are three days apart. Oh, wow. I believe Kyle's three days older than Milo. <laughs> well, you can check me on that. Um, so going down there, having Milo, Milo's partner with Gold Zero, we brought along our partner, Heart of America, who does um, books and tablets and okay. educational materials. Going down there was, I think it, when you say what's, it's made such a huge impact, but visually, I mean, imagine at night you have put on, you put solar on seven homes, and when you're on that last home, and you know you're going to turn the lights on, wow. and people's eyes will be huge, or and and at the same time you have wild horses going around. Yeah, you is know, this southern south of Moab? Um, it is. Okay. It's exactly like San Juan County, okay. Montezuma Creek area. Okay. We station outside of Bluff, and then we go about an hour into the reservation. Okay. Milo has them all lined up. And watching Kyle and Milo figure out where the panels are going to go, yeah. Milo's talking Navajo, talking to the families. I'll never forget this woman said, so will I have light in a year or in three months? Yeah. And for Kyle Beckerman to say, no, you're going to have in about 20 minutes. Wow. And Kyle, you know, brings... Uh, Kate, who was just so amazing, sure. his wife, and he's and he's got Costa, and he's got his dog, and it's a big, it's a family experience. Yeah. I brought down two volunteers, the coaches from the Special Olympics team, uh -huh. amazing people. So, when you say what the biggest impact, that's a big impact, and it's also something we started from zero. That project didn't exist, yeah, and being able to adapt during COVID yeah. um, between the partners that we worked with over a million dollars in educational equipment, solar lanterns went down to the reservation in Utah, uh, New Mexico, and Arizona. Funny story, when we were looking at a partner for New Mexico, person who stepped up Devin Sandoval. Yeah, no, Big Dev. Big Dev. That's and my hometown team. He was so great. We we actually sent down a pot of our leftover supplies to him. Oh, cool. And of course, I had to put RSL balls and Beckerman jerseys <laughs> to fall on him. But there's a picture of Devin and his owner opening our pod. Yeah. But then they we passed off this project to them. Milo flew down there, and they did that whole Gallup area okay. down That's there. That's where my mom grew up, by the way. Really? Gallup, yeah. Yeah, so... The COVID response that we were able to pivot 
Um, As we were talking about, you know, a year ago. So I believe a year ago, I think it was March 10th, we were having a player luncheon. So we had all the Royals, RSL, some sponsors, the press there. And I I, I look back on that as a whole different world. I'll, I'll never forget, I... After the luncheon, I get to my desk and I get an email from the league saying, as of today, please do not put players in public. Wow. And that happened. You know, I, I received that during that luncheon. But, uh, you know, to Deloitte's credit, he looked at me, understood the science behind this pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, I was so fortunate because I think uh, the other clubs perhaps were still kind of guessing. Yeah. Deloitte said, this is the science. We are going to have to work twice as hard. I want you to op- up, open up this women's shelter. Yeah. So we uh, had a women's shelter that we were going to work on with the Royals that summer. Okay. We opened it up three weeks later. Wow. He knew that that domestic violence piece was going to skyrocket. It was going to escalate, yeah. Uh, we did the Feeding the Front Lines where we raised over $150,000. And and the idea was just to make these frontline workers' life easier. Yeah. And we're not talking just nurses and doctors. We're talking about... The janitorial staff, sure. the security guards. So we were able to provide people shipping food, and yeah, we, we were that. able to provide free meals. We had the cafeterias opened up for free, wow. so these people could come down. We I'll never forget on a Sunday we had a big Thanksgiving meal at the University of Utah, you know, and we we provided jerseys. It was just something that we could say, "Gosh, thank you," because yeah. everyone in that hospital is impacted. It didn't matter the job, and then the light the riot. Yep, that you know, thirty thousand so people. Came I was through. over. I was in Austria and then I came back. I was down in Texas and I remember seeing the light the riot stuff on uh on social media. Yeah. Just like what a cool initiative. So I guess it for that event and other things, like tell me how how do some of these things come to be? Is it our fans I know you're in touch with a lot of fans and yeah. supporters or it's players and their families, like how do some of these different initiatives get on your radar? Like, hey, this is something we can do. Right. Um for Light the Riot in particular, uh, Wonder Entertainment, who does light shows all around the United States, mm-hmm. they do the lights up in Midway, all yeah. of that. They actually came to me and said, we love your frontline project. Okay. And we had a great year and our season just ended and all of our lights are in Salt Lake City, Utah. We would like to light your stadium. Wow. So it was, you know, I think in pandemic time, yeah. you know, we have the most beautiful stadium right. and it was not being used for games. Right. We had used it to pack educational kits for the Navajo Nation. We had used it for an amazing PPE drive with the University of Utah and Theron Ennis. Okay. That was an amazing yeah. project. Um, so I, I talked to Deloitte and I said, look, this is what I want to do. I talked to Leif Smith, Craig Martin. Yeah. And these people were donating. I mean, it was probably over $50,000 that, that Wonder Entertainment was donating the lights and their staff. Amazing. And it was just, I think, I'll never forget these families coming saying, it is so good to be back at the riot. Or you would see grandparents and their kids, the grandkids were in the back of their truck and they hadn't seen each other. Right. So to be able to come together socially distance. Mm. Um, and be able to provide that. And then all the money went straight to that frontline relief project. Yeah. You know, I, I would say it's a pandemic opportunity. Okay. Um, those things, those things just kind of gelled together. And now you're in the middle of discussions with the Utah Health Department about possibly having the stadium serve as a vaccination Absolutely. Point, right? So right when this happened, once again, we said, how can we help? Can we use our suites are, you know, the whole stadium. Yeah. And the Department of Health at that point was uh, doing Mountain America Expo. They needed that huge indoor okay. space. Our stadium doesn't have a huge indoor space. Right. But what our stadium does have is incredible now Wi-Fi around the Spanish stairs. Okay. And so um, they would like to do it for a drive-through shot clinic oh, cool. with a J&J one shot. Okay. So that's an exciting piece where... Just waiting on dates. Yeah. The players have been all in. They've they've already recorded their PSA. <laughs> nice. It's like, this is the best defense. Take your shot with us. Like, you know, it's just impressive how the players, you know, they want to get back to playing with fans. Yeah. Our fans, the survey said, we want to get back. We want the vaccination. So we have been talking to them. Oh, 
since the pandemic started about this, our house is your house. Yeah. How can we help? So we're excited. We won't know the dates yet. You know, it, it just depends on when we will be 50 and younger. Yeah. It also depends on the one shot, the J&J. Um, I think they're trying to say May 1st for all adults, right? Yeah. So. We think we think it actually might be April. Okay, cool. We're really excited. You yeah. know, our players are excited to get vaccinated. Yeah. So that's that's an exciting, hopefully, stay tuned. Yeah. Um, we'll be able to do something like yeah, that. Yeah, and when we release this this podcast, we'll have all the pertinent links and everything for everybody to follow. Yeah. Um, I'm fascinated by the dynamic between you and the players. How do you work with them? How do you find out like what they care about, what 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 causes they're comfortable with, or or not? You yeah. know, with situations, exactly. right? Exactly. Um, you know, they have very structured lives around around their playing careers. It doesn't matter what age they are. And, you know, some guys are teenagers and other guys have kids and family to go home to. So how do you kind of navigate all that? Yeah, great question. You know, I think when we when I started, um, I, I gave them all a survey. Yeah. And it was just a survey between that player and myself. No one else was going to see it. And I was just really honest with them. It's, you know, what? What scares you? What don't you want to yeah. do? And, you know, some players are like, call oh, hospitals are so hard for me. Or little kids make me nervous. Yeah, sure. Or I want to really work with junior high kids. Or my mom had breast cancer. I want to go there. My okay. cousin has autism. Um, I, I also put something in there that says, what do you want me to help you with? Mm. And I've had players say, I want to be a better public speaker. And so we'll start real small. We'll, so say we'll start at an elementary school. They'll have a mic. I'll have a mic. We'll have some set questions. Because in order to do that, you just got to do it. Yeah. And sure enough, by the end of the year, I don't even need my mic. They don't want to learn how to do that uh, going on the radio every no, day? No, <laughs> you know, I think that's, I think it's, it's, this is a pretty safe space. Yeah, sure. You know, and I think too, I mean, it's something so organic that, you know, I'll never forget, uh, you know, Justin Glad's mom had had breast cancer, and that was something between him and then Jordan Allen was always there supporting him. Yeah. Being able to do events like that, I would say some of those early adapters of, hey, use me. You yeah. know, I understand that you're away from your family so much, and if you don't want to do anything, I respect that. Right. Or if you don't feel comfortable. But, you know, when you've got uh, Fanwell Kavita, sure. Abdulia Manzali, yep. Jordan Allen, you know, let's go to a boys and girls club. Chris Schuler. Yeah. Chris Schuler came to me and said, Mary, every Wednesday I want to go talk to youth. And he was talking about race. He was talking about equity. Sure. He was talking about um, where he was as a player and as a human. And I'll never forget, we were at Glendale Middle School. And I get there a little early and we have some jerseys and we like to leave things with the teachers and the principals that they can use for yeah. contests. Yeah. Or, and I'm setting up and this young kid walked up to me and he said, this is who's coming, right? Chris Schuler." <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, he's, he's on his way. Yeah. And he's like, do you know he's turning 30 years old today? And of course, Chris didn't tell me that. Yeah. And so we had all of the kids, we told the kids, and when he walked into the auditorium. Started singing a happy birthday. Yes, and in Chris Schuler fashion, he started breakdancing. He breakdanced <laughs> all the way up. To and it was just so gracious. That's awesome. So I think you know when you get those early adapters, and then Kyle, Nick, Tony, Luke, you know they all yeah. start Demir, um, Marcelo, Pablo. It's interesting this year. I've had to say, guys, we're so close to the vaccine. Yeah. You're going in this bubble. You got to stay in the yeah, bubble. Yeah, stay in the bubble. But they're they're like, well, what if we're in the back of a pickup <laughs> truck on the playground at an elementary school? And you know, I think. You know, Jeff Kassar was so um, excited about doing this. And, you know, when I came on, I was with Freddie and Zarcos. Yep. And that's some. this is something so integral to who Freddie is. Sure. He wants these young athletes to realize that sports will make them bigger than who they are. Sure. And to be able to develop that. So I'm so fortunate, you know, the things we did with those young monarchs. and now. You know, Freddie is the biggest cheerleader. And for this, I would say, COVID opportunity, yeah. 
our academy kids haven't been um, traveling as much. And so we're going to be able to do things with the academy kids. Before COVID, we had so many great 2020 plans. One of my initiatives was always side-by-side volunteering. Fans, players, we had a Habitat for Humanity. Um, Beckerman wanted to go clean the river. We had all these great side-by-side opportunities. Um, So we're going to put those, we're going to backfill those. Okay. September, October, when we can, yeah, when you, know, you know, to start you know. bringing those back in. Um, so I think that's exciting. We've always been very strong in the Hispanic community sure. um, and in the refugee community. Uh, it's it's going to be an interesting year. You know, yeah. I think people talk about ownership change and everything going on, but our life is, we got a game. We are heads down. Yeah. We are a lean group, and we have games to put on. Um, we've got you know a great leader in John Kimball, but for me the the biggest difficulty is COVID. Sure. When when can we get back in schools? Yeah. You know I have for me to tell players I am so sorry, but we are not going to a school. Yesterday, Leo yeah. was at a school. He beat Cosmo. Um, there is a, <laughs> I saw that on Twitter. Yeah, it was, you know, preseason. Uh, Leo is fully vaccinated. So nice. that's great. So um, it's it's exciting. I'm, you know, the vibe is great. Yeah. The players are buying in. Um, Here's a question I've never talked to you about. Um, you have a great team. So Kyle, I knew from before. Laura, I haven't met yet. But amazing. she does incredible video work and other creative stuff to kind of document everything you guys are doing. Absolutely. Um, with my media background, I've always had to kind of walk a fine line, right? Because we want to publicize everything the club is doing with the community, but you, there's just certain things that need to happen without me or whoever inviting the newspapers or the TV stations there, right? Because you don't want to look opportunistic. And so one of the things, I, I mean, I have a vivid memory and this is, I think, before before you had joined the club. But I was I was doing something at the Salt Lake Chamber. I was it was at a I think it was Leadership Utah, and one of my colleagues there was, um, the uh, what's the children's hospital up by Huntsman? Um, Primaries. Primary. Thank you. So he's like, hey, just so you know, our kids really loved your guys coming here and reading yesterday. And I had no idea. Yeah. And I'm like, which guys? And I think it was Kyle and Tony Beltran. For sure. And unbeknownst to me, they had just started going up there like every Tuesday afternoon to read to kids. And like, I'm so torn because like I'm almost getting choked up thinking about like what an incredible act of generosity for those guys to go spend that time yeah but i am also like well how how come i didn't know about this how come nobody know like we need to like that's great video and that's great this and and all that and and i think it's a dilemma that probably every sports team and other you know you because you're not giving back for the publicity yeah but you and you're not even you don't even want to show people what you're doing because it's not a braggadocio thing. It's, but it's like, there are people that need to know how connected this club is and how much a fabric. I mean, I get asked all the time, what's your favorite RSL memory? Well, my favorite RSL memory is like, I mean, sure. There's a few goals here and there, but a lot of those games just run together. But my favorite RSL memories are those ones that make me realize we matter to people and we're a part, we're part of the fabric of those people lives. And I think I think that's the kind of thing you probably see up close and personal more than anybody in the club. Yeah, I, you know, it is definitely a fine line. Yeah. And when it comes down to it, a lot of that community impact, we do it for community impact. Right. But I think in the past there has been um different silos at RSL yeah. that it it was pretty difficult to perhaps get everybody on board for an event and those those barriers are down now, um, but it's I think nowadays with social media and everybody's got a phone, yeah. a lot of the times, you know, players will be at the hospital and it's completely up to those kids um, if it's posted. I mean, no one 
loves how they're looking in a hospital bed. Sure. Speaking of which, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, last year, because we didn't play so many games, we had all of these extra jerseys um, okay. that were the team jerseys. So they gave them to me and we turned them into hospital gowns. Oh, wow. So we had seamstresses cool. and they have the ties. And, and I think it's probably a little, you know, it's, it, when it is apparent when you see your kid in a hospital gown, it, it takes you to a whole different yeah, level. Yeah, I can't imagine. But when your kid is being wheeled off to radiology in an RSL jersey, you know, the kid's happy, you're happy. Um, so we donated those to the hospitals as, as just kind of a COVID opportunity once again. But yeah, it is a fine line. It definitely is a fine line. And sometimes you can't control what the media will say or do. Yeah. And uh, we had media show up at an event a couple of weeks ago, Marcelo's event. Yeah, sure. And it's tricky because we're in COVID world and they're bringing cameras in and and the policy was no cameras. Okay. That's just a district policy. So we had to kind of explain where it was going. And, and the story turned out great. Yeah. Um, but you will, I think, with RSL, I think it is important to have that external public relations that isn't just about players. Yeah. I think it is important. It's important to the community to, to see that. Um, you know, we were just able to announce one of our cancer captains is kicking cancer this week. Wow. She's ringing her bell. And I saw that story. tweet, and it almost made me, like, tear up. Right? Oh, you know, and, and, you, and you do lose some of these captains, and there's, there's a, a memory I have where we had this amazing um, young woman, and she and Kyle Beckerman, she was a fly fisherman guide. She was from oh, Idaho. Cool. There were all these great connections, right? And we knew at this point she was terminal, and Kyle had put, we had this lower suite for her, and we had blankets. It was yeah. a cold, rainy day. And Kyle afterward wanted to see her. And I said, okay, I got to figure out how to get Kyle Beckerman up there. And he's like, oh, we're just going to go straight up through the stands. I'm like, I'm going to give her this team ball. Yeah. And so I talked to CSC. And I'm like, look, I'm going first. We're going to put Kyle between me. Yeah. And then you behind me. And Kyle's like, no, we're just going straight up in the stands. And some <laughs> of the pictures were great. You could see fans just. Like, what is he doing? Why? What is <laughs> he doing? Yeah. yeah. So, but, you know, you lose some of those kids. Yeah. And you get to celebrate some. And it's, some of those are, are, are tough. Well, I, and I don't want to stay on a difficult note sure. here for long. But I, I am just, like, my mind right now is being flooded with countless examples of events, meetups, whatever you want to call them, fundraisers, other things that that you have organized with RSL community, but the players sure. mostly sure. for um for kids that either had an illness that ended up being terminal or lost a a parent or a sibling or something in a in a sudden accident. And yeah. you know it's I'm sure it's difficult ground to probably navigate sometimes, but so often those people, their families, they come back to you and say, thank you so much for giving us a moment of relief or a joy or, you know, every year on this anniversary, we're reminded of, of that picture with, with Kyle or Nick or whoever. And I just, um, I mean, kudos to you and, and Kyle and Laura and, and, and really the whole club for making those things happen. Yeah. Well, and really the players, there are certain players, Amy Rodriguez. Wow. Mm. There are certain players that that is their strength. You know, when you're in a hospital and this kid is in, in trouble and they rise, these players yeah. rise. There are certain players that that's, I would assign, that's, that's your assignment. But I think too, for RSL, we're a family and you don't forget. So there are, we stay in touch with these families. They're still coming to the stadium. I think, you know, there, there are funerals that we've attended Mm -hmm. and that a year later we have, I have this list and it's like, let's get this family back because you don't just forget. Right, right. You just don't forget that death. You don't forget um, that. But there's lots of joy ones. I'll never forget. You know, players get a lot of fan letters and Fans out there, players do read them, <laughs> and they'll give them to me. There was one where it was a little girl, and she said, I came to my first RSL game, and Justin Glad, you played so great. And she's a first grader. Yeah. And she said, I have two big brothers. I go to lots of soccer games, and if they play that good, they get ice cream. <laughs> so Justin gave me that letter, and 
we ended up taking ice cream for her entire first grade class. Oh, that's so awesome. So here's Justin Glad. We're <laughs> scooping ice cream. Oh, great. Yeah, I'll never forget. That was Kyle Schroeder's first day. Kyle, um, I met him. He was doing Special Olympics for FC Dallas. Okay. And he was just such a great, he, he understood all the league initiatives, and he was a skier. Okay. So I knew I had a little, <laughs> a little recruiting advantage. Right. I knew I had a little <laughs> recruiting advantage. And um, I remember his first job I gave him was like, we are going to need another ice cream scoop. And so, you know, nice. he went to get an ice cream scoop. So we get to see a lot of those uh, great joys. But, you know, this year, like I said, as we're coming out of this pandemic relief, what are the opportunities that we can do? And something we're doing and like you said, how do you get these ideas? We had um, some high school soccer players and their coaches come up to us, and they love how RSL comes out in training tops, okay. right? Black Lives Matter, right. Kick Childhood Cancer. And so um, they were looking for some funding to do the same. And, you know, I brought it to John Kimball. I brought it to Tyler Gibbons. And I said, this this is a great piece, you know. We're fortunate to have the RSL way now that Tony Beltran and so many people were integral in making that this, it is more than a statement. We want to back it up. And so this year you will see warm-up tops on all 5A and 6A high school boys soccer teams that say one kind, humankind, eliminate hate. Wow, that's awesome. So uh, they will be picking those up and meeting Tony Beltran next Saturday, and you'll see those out on the fields because I think that's, that's, that's the RSL way, and we want to, it's not just a statement, it's also an action. That's so cool. So how many, that's like 60-plus teams that are 63, wearing 63, and we're also oh, wow. going to do Region 4, no, Region 9 for a St. George. Okay. So we really want to cover the state. And so they're going to wear these shirts as like their warm-up tops. They're going to arrive. Okay. And it's just kind of that unity because, you know, really cool. there is a lot of bullying and racism mm. speak that happens in those high school games. And I think when we can address that as RSL, as professional athletes, as um, as kind of someone that's in the fabric of the community— yeah. Um, unifying force. Yeah, and then we'll have players go out to those games. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 going to be a a nice piece for us. And how how much are you going to miss the Royals these next couple years? Hopefully they're back in twenty three. Well, I think if you can look at all the RSL and the community tweets and yeah. everything, pure denial. I don't think I've even we've even right. had a statement. It's it's really difficult, and I think even right up to when they were being sold, having some players reach out like this isn't going to happen. And I'm like, I, we have the best fan base. Yeah. I, it's, it's, I, I was in, I'm in pure denial, but in my head, I'm thinking, okay, 2022 draft, right? Yeah, NWSL yeah, draft. Yeah. Um, but then again, you know, I don't want to put that heaviness on a new ownership. Sure. But in my head, uh, 2023 Royals, I've saved Royals things. I can. We always did that Royals Girls Leadership Summit. Yeah, that was great. I have permission from the league and permission, and some of the players want to come back, COVID availability, sure, and do that. There's the idea of doing an Olympic watch party with some of the Royals. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. yeah. So if they have an off, if they have some off time, they they are very, um, you know, they're they're very tied to this community. This yeah. community welcomed them. Their experience here. I remember A-Rod and some of the players saying, I don't think these young players realize what the RSL <laughs> community is like. This sure. is their first experience, and this is priceless. Yeah, light years ahead of where they light were. Years. And and I've, at the risk of repeating myself, I, I, I really didn't understand the NWSL decision because I just don't understand how you walk away from 10,000 fans. And... Uh, per game. Now, now that kind of COVID has gone on and we're in the ownership kind of hiatus or whatever, I guess it makes a little more sense. And remember, their report date was February first. Yeah, yeah, that is so. Just it, the it usually is April. So I think when you're looking at it, they had to report February first. Deloitte wanted to make sure that they were going to play. Yeah. Um, but I like I said, uh, we own our marks. That's great. Um, and. 
who gets to do a redo? And think about it. You were, you were with yeah. me when we were, I'll never forget, I walked into Deloitte's office and I had this idea of putting the next futsal court downtown right. on top of his Wells Fargo parking garage. Mm. So I, I walked in and, and with Deloitte and I, it was always, this is a big idea. And he <laughs> got big ideas. Yeah. And he said, oh, I have a big idea um, for you too. <laughs> and I said, well, you go first. And he said, we've always talked about bringing a women's team in two years. I want to do it in six months. Yeah. So you were- And we did it in less. We did yeah. it in less. And if you think about who gets to do a do-over? I mean, the hardest thing, right, was the logo. Yeah, yeah, launching the identity. Yeah. The jersey. Yeah. We already have that. Yeah. Think about how great a turnkey women's team for a new owner. I don't want to put pressure on a yeah, new owner, nah, but it that will be pressure from be me. should be fantastic, sure. Because the impact that those women and the idea of that team had on our community was just amazing. And And you know who was so appreciative of it was the first team players, you know, being yep. able, watching, I'll, I'll never forget, I did an event with Amy Rodriguez and Justin Glad. And I think it was a hospital event and hmm. we're in the hospital and Justin is just quiet. And what I realized is they didn't really know each other. She is 10 years older than him yeah. and he had idolized her. <laughs> So to That's watch awesome. that, I yeah. mean, she had done the Olympics, she had done the World Cup. Everything that Amy had accomplished is something that Justin, those are his yeah, goals. Yeah, his aspirations. And it was so fun to mix that. You know, we had done some appearances, just goalies, yeah, just forwards. And we're talking, bring the academy kids, you know, and that is something that was so great to see the women. I even think some of their causes and what they brought to the table really elevated the men as yeah, well. Because 100%. I think, and, and you know this so well, that when you're starting a league, I remember Craig Weibel telling me he did the weather, yeah, right? And yeah. that's what these women were doing. They sure. were like, not only are we fighting for um, the Utah Royals, but we are fighting so that this league doesn't go under. And well, and that's something I always tell people. And obviously, you know, Deloitte's legacy will be complicated and all that stuff. But the NWSL does not exist if he doesn't make the move uh, that he did back in, you know, fall of 17 when Merritt Paulson calls him. And essentially, you have your choice between Boston and Kansas City. If he says, no, thanks, we're going to focus on this. I don't think that league's here now. And now that league's thriving, right? Louisville starts this year, Angel City next year. Hopefully Utah gets a team back in 23. So um, I'm really going to miss, um, I have missed, because I wasn't here during the Challenge Cup and everything last year. And, and you know, last summer, despite COVID, was very much a um, a summer, a year of um, community initiatives and awareness, a lot of different causes. and. Um, from the outside, it, it seemed like there were just so many great, um, strong people pushing various causes that needed awareness. Yeah, and I think on both the royal side, the RSL side, the monarch side, everything. Yeah, we opened up on Juneteenth the uh, Royals RSL, the first um, futsal court that was Royals and RSL oh, cool. on Juneteenth at Sunnyvale Park in the heart of the refugee community. Okay. It got lost yeah. in, you know, we're in a pandemic. It sure. got lost, but having the players go there the day before they had to go into their bubble, they, that, they could have done whatever. They spent probably five hours on this court uh, weeding, uh, painting murals. Wow. Okay. That was something before they went into this long bubble that yeah. they had. Um, they were at Sunnyvale Court, and it is a spectacular wow. football court. It's awesome. really, it's really exciting thing. But you know, in my mind, I kind of think this is just a big, long Royals preseason. There you go. You know, I I'm just that. in. I love that I'm idea. I'm just kind of in that space because uh, <laughs> 700 days left in preseason. It, that's kind of isn't that crazy that I yeah that because I think it's, it's a great way to look at it. It's that important women's sports, and you know there are more female young soccer players in the state of Utah than yep. um young boys. So it's uh it's important. 
So Mary, what is the best way? Obviously, we're always going to encourage our fans to to follow RSL in the community on various social platforms, and and I think the club does a good job of amplifying all of that. But hopefully, as the world opens up, um, what are some of the things that that you want people to kind of be anticipating or thinking about as hopefully twenty twenty one at some point is a return to normalcy? Exactly. You know, I think. As we started this interview talking about that RSL license plate, yeah, I don't think people realize the importance that those recurring dollars have for the foundation. Okay. You know, I saw a dip in the last six months of those dollars coming in, and there are, I mean, you know, people aren't driving as much. People are getting rid of cars. Sure. I'm sure there are people that were upset at the club's direction, but I think those RSL license plates are very important. And then, as we go forward, how exciting to do events. How exciting to do a big fundraiser. How exciting to do a fundraiser for the Olympic courts having an Olympic watch party. Awesome. So I think those were always going to be there. Um, you wow, know, we, that's a great idea. Yeah, those were always going to be there. Everything has just been kind of pushed. And then it'll be interesting to see the new owner's flavor and the directions he wants to go. He wants to go, but right now when you have such committed players that understand the community, mm. coaching staff, front office staff. Yeah. You know, I think we are just kind of peaking. You know, out of COVID, it was, it's tricky. It's, it's like I said, pandemic opportunities, but it's our first pandemic. Yeah, <laughs> it's our first. Hopefully, <laughs> it's our, our first, only. right? Um, although apparently the way the world's going, they say that this kind of thing may happen more often. Who knows? Um. Before we let you go, and next yep. time we have you back, we'll talk a little more about your Utah roots and, and your uh, circuitous route, uh, leaving Utah and coming back and all that. Sure. I think you've lived a fascinating life. But talk to me for a minute about Tony Beltran and his kind of cultivation of the RSL way. And I know... There were a lot of other people involved in that, but I think you were somebody that was very close to that process as well as the club, especially at this time, putting it out there to kind of hold themselves accountable and kind of restate the values of the club and what it aspires to be on and off the field um, for the fan base, for the leagues, for the world. Yeah, great question. You know, I think... Um... Having it as a stake in the ground, having it as a document that we refer to, this is, for the community side, this is who we are and this is why we're doing it. Right. And I would say the stake in the ground, we've, uh, 2005, Rice Eccles watching Dunny's header and then he <laughs> put that stake in the ground with yeah. the flag. I would say this is equally as important. We all understand the RSL love, that first game yeah. at Rice Eccles. I'll never forget. John Kimball and Brooke Bingham's just their face <laughs> beaming. Um, I think this is saying what we all feel. Yeah. You know, I think the supporters understand what we've had and the core of who we are mm -hmm. and actually verbalizing it. And Tony's vocabulary is incredible. Yeah, and Tony is uh, thoughtful and he's also... Um, intentional uh -huh. and i think he was the right one to lead this the you know his unique perspective on being a player and now being in the front office and and you know you trey you you know we talk about wiki trey <laughs> and the historical knowledge you know i think the actually putting it in writing and making a statement this is who we are and this is how we're going to back it up i want our fans to hold us accountable to those words sure it's not just uh hyperbole yeah you know what are you what are your thoughts on that no i think it's great i think it's awesome i think it you know during a, a time of confusion for a lot of different reasons um it provides clarity it provides a north star provides a beacon because we all love this club so much yeah. and there's been so many people and I have to include every everyone that's been a fan, everybody that's even attended one game or watched one game on TV or bought a jersey or whatever, like you're included in this because um, so much of our early existence was about 
just trying to justify the vision and the idea that Dave Checkett's had for for what soccer could mean in Utah, what another professional sports team could mean. Um, Deloitte obviously took a lot of that vision and inspiration and with his resources put it on steroids, right? Because if you look at moving the academy here, uh, building the facility in Harriman, which is, you know, you talk to Arnold or Tom Spall who have spent so much time in European soccer and they're like, yeah, maybe Man City has a better right. set of facilities, but that's about like Man City's the richest club in the world. Right. And but we're at altitude. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think it's fantastic. I think it just resets. Um I was having another conversation uh earlier and RSL's only going into its seventeenth year. Like we're juniors in high school. Like what uh, as we wrap up here, I want you to share two memories or two various versions of memories with me one what's your favorite on-field moment watching one of the teams play in one of the buildings and what are maybe some of your favorite off-field i know these are hard questions because there's so many things that everybody wants to mention you know i think because i have this team mom persona (laughs) i would say when i would see uh douglas martinez (laughs) <laughs> or Michael Chang score. Okay. That is exciting to me because I... Because you've watched them grow up. I've watched them grow. I've worked with them in schools. I've seen them. I've seen that drive. Yeah. And to have that translate on the field. Sure. In public, on TV, yeah. for these young boys that are coming from very poor countries, mm. that those goals absolutely thrill me. But like you, I think... During the games, I don't watch them. Yeah. You know, I can't. We're working. Yeah. But going home at night, I hear the drums for about three hours. <laughs> and I watch those games and watch, you know, it's it's nice to know why Justin Glad is limping. That boy, that that young player can really take some knocks mm. and get up. Yep. Um, I think that. And then, you know, there are those moments when I can see off the field, when I can see these families coming up we had a a contest with the mexican consulate Mm. and the kids wrote a a poem and an essay about what they loved about being a mexican-american and their whole family won tickets to the tigris game okay so the and the families brought the kids and then they had to give me their kids and i and we put jerseys on all of them and i was taking them back and they got to see bofo and everyone was signing the jerseys and I'll never forget this dad came up to me and he just said, I never thought I would be able to bring my child to a Tigris game in a beautiful stadium because <laughs> he had gone to Tigris games as right. a little boy with his family. Sure. And then that whole game, seeing him in the stands with his family, attentive, cheering. He said, I, I just assumed that I would never get to do have yeah. this opportunity. So those types of things where RSL is a fabric in the community mm-hmm. and being able to do those experiences is just um is just so exciting. To, it, who else gets to give someone a once in a lifetime chance? Yeah, it's crazy. I love sometimes when I see someone in the team store and then I'll kind of watch them I'm like, "Have you guys ever been on the field?" just be like no and i'm like i got an hour take him to the field or hey have you ever seen a locker room you know i love those um i guess the frostings yeah that we can add yeah sure to those experiences that's amazing so yeah dan farns hope you didn't hear that piece. dan farns my favorite <laughs> and and i would say he is one of my guys that you know we had robbie russell come and talk yeah. about who's your 4 a.m crew boy dan farns has been so supportive from the get-go, you know, our Special Olympics team, anything. And and to his credit, I have learned, um, you know, when he's very picky about his field, yeah. the science behind that field is quite incredible. Yeah, we had him on the show. He's one of our favorite guests here. Yeah, so. and he, he taught me, you know, once a player has stepped and the blade has been stepped on, uh-huh. he goes and he mows and it gets upright, but it takes four days for that strand of grass to become strong again so when he's picky between games about stay off the grass he's just trying to get those blades back up (laughs) but i figured out that right after a practice or right after it's been trampled that's the best time because he hasn't stood up the grass okay but how lucky that we have a scientist yeah 
weren't running our yeah. field and our sub air system. Dan's How the lucky best. he is the best. Um, real quick, because you reminded me of a couple things. One, the uh, Special Olympics team, the Unified. Yeah. How rewarding and amazing has that initiative been? It has been incredible. Because it's f- going into five years now? Yeah, five years. You know, it's a league initiative. Every team has one. We just we didn't have it. It's sponsored by ESPN okay. and MLS Works. And it was my first year. And I had this young gentleman call me. His name was Boston. And he said, you need to have a unified team. And, and we were a staff of, I was a staff of one. And he came down and he laid out why we should have a unified team. And unified sports is under Special Olympics. Okay. And half of the participants have disabilities and the other half don't. So it was started with Special Olympics with families. Like, boy, wouldn't it be cool if my kid was on the same soccer team with his siblings? And the amazing growth, everything landed where it needed to be. I had a coach that said yes. This Jenna Holland said yes. She had coached nationally with Special Olympics Unified. Everything just fit. It's just, I want to say it's kind of a blessed project because... When all of a sudden I needed something, yeah, it it happens, and those <laughs> those fans and those athletes, and then the players' response. Yeah. I was talking to uh, Pablo, the new assistant coach. Yeah, Pablo Mastroeni. Amazing, and we were talking about you know his time, and he said how rewarding that program was in Colorado, and Colorado yeah. is great, but you know these kids they try out, they travel to an away game with yeah. the first team, they are treated like the first team. And then they play immediately following. And our fans, you know, they have, I think our first year we played Colorado. And two years in a row, we have gone to shootouts and we've won. (laughs) I'll never forget uh, Jeff Antonella running out on the field, crazy man, after our goalie saved it. Yeah. It was so much fun to, like, be done with everything we had to get done for the MLS game. And watch pure joy. And then go back out on the field and watch the unified team take down Colorado. Well, and that South End, they made us our own Rocky Mountain Cup and they presented it to us. But the ancillary thing to that, that honestly going into, I didn't understand is I get letters or I have people saying, I never thought my child could be a professional athlete. You know, my child with Down syndrome or autism or they now have this goal. So it's, it's not only this amazing team, but it is inspiring. Yep. Kids all the way down, so it's a, it's a great program. This year we're going to do a, um, a game after the first team, and it's going to be our alumni team versus our brand new team. Okay, very cool. Our alumni team is already talking trash, <laughs> so I'm excited that'll nice. that'll be a really uh, that'll be an exciting game. But once again, COVID determined September maybe August. Yeah, yeah, late yeah. summer. Yeah. yeah. Mary, last question. Do you ever get a chance to slow down? You know, I'm starting to. Okay. Honestly, I feel like we have built this incredible machine, and I am so proud of it. And that's what I love doing. I love yeah. building. Um, but to have Kyle Schroeder and Laura Dearden on my team, who I completely trust, yeah. um, it is, I'm definitely, we're definitely slowing down. Um, I am. Um, because I have this amazing crew, and I have buy-in from the players. Yeah. I'm not selling within the stadium anymore. It's just, uh, it's nice. And I just think, you know, 54 years old, come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, everything that you have engineered and and you and your team have done are truly inspirational and aspirational for everybody that cares about the club and everybody in the community. So thank you. And uh, we can't wait to have you back on later this summer and, and tell people about, about how they're going to be able to get up close and personal with RSL community initiatives. Great. Well, thanks for having me, Trey. Of course. Happy season, right? Happy season. Happy 2021. Here we go. Here we go. Thanks. <laughs> All right, thank you. All right. That's our show. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to connect with us, Please do on social media at Claret Cobalt on Twitter at Claret Cobalt on Instagram. We're always up for your thoughts, a little banter, corrections and omissions, your guest suggestions, your favorite RSL memories or whatever. Uh, we do also have the opportunity for you to reach out to us through the message button at anchor.fm slash Claret and Cobalt. 
or via email, rsltray at gmail.com. This show is produced independently by Trey Fitzgerald and Mountain Air Media, recorded at Mountain Air Studios in Draper, Utah. The views expressed here on this show are our own and do not necessarily reflect the opinions or positions of Real Salt Lake. Please download, rate, share, subscribe, and provide those comments. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you very soon.